0: Okay, so I'm super excited about my guest tonight because he's somebody I can actually say is my friend. His name is Mark Benson. He is a businessman in Athens, Georgia, but what we're going to talk about tonight, Mark, is your story because Mark has one of those stories where, you know, God, he took those broken things in Mark's life, redeemed them for his good and for God's glory, and Mark, you're here to tell us about the story and how, more importantly, God is using it.
1: Amen, Jules. It's great to be here. It's great to be with you again on the air.
0: Let me, let me, you know, I said he's a local businessman in Athens. He's also, let me give you some more credentials. He's a father to three, grandfather to three. Um, and you have a heart for men and seeing them be discipled. And it's, um, and you've had some pain of your own that you're letting God use. So would you mind telling us your story?
1: Well, Jules, I'm a, a child of divorce. My parents divorced when I was two years old, and I grew up uh, later, gained a stepfather. You know, later on, I, at, at like 12 to 14, I came back to live with my father. So I was reunited with my father, left my mother and stepfather. Wow. So, I, you know, I grew up as a product of divorce. I met my uh, two sisters when I was 12. When I was 21, my father and his current wife, my stepmother, uh, had a, a son. So our family grew from, you know, the the beginning, me and my brother we gained two sisters and then we gained another brother. When I was 50, I met my 45 year old sister. So now we've gained a, another sibling. So I'm a product of all that. So I know about uh, blended families with the, the PC word today blended families. I know about that. I've lived all that.
0: And you know the pain.
1: Well, oh, certainly, there was pain. You know, I, I know, you know, I, don't, I want to be kind to my father because my father is a, is a great man. You know, I have found forgiveness for him. Uh, and he's found it for me, ironically. You know, we have a great relationship today. Um, but I remember waiting at the window, waiting for him to come pick us up on the weekend that we were to visit. And something had happened. And, you know, communication was not good between him and my mom. And we knew that. And he didn't show up. But we still know the, the pain. My brother and I, we, we, we grew up knowing the pain of waiting on Dad to come. And Dad wasn't there.
0: And so when you were waiting on your dad as a little boy, did you have those thoughts, I'm never going to do this? I'm going to do things differently.
1: Oh, I absolutely grew up going to be married one time and never be divorced. That was in the groundwork for me. That was in the plans for me.
0: So how did those plans change? T- tell us about um, the, what happened.
1: Well, you know, it started, it probably started in the Garden of Eden when sin entered the world and this brokenness came. You know, Adam, most people don't understand, but Adam was punished because he was not leading. Okay, when he ate that apple, when he allowed his wife, Eve, to sin and he ate that apple, uh, sin entered the world and, and, and he stopped leading. And today So it's
0: technically not a woman's fight fault fault as if you're saying. We're we're off the hook.
1: Well, <laughs> I honestly believe that Adam wanted to eat it himself. Uh huh, yeah. I mean the scriptures say Adam was right there with her. She ate the apple and she took and gave it to Adam who was right there with her. So he watched the whole thing. I'm not sure he wasn't sacrificing her and Mm. pushing her there to see if truly she would die. And then, of course, once she ate it, he knew that once they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, she would be like God. And he didn't want her to be like God and him not. He might have actually nudged, nudged. you know, but bottom line is uh, men aren't leading, you know, and I didn't have men in my life that were, that were leading me, you know, and when, uh, when my young marriage started falling on the rocks. And to be fair, uh, my first wife and I, we, we lost a child, and that was very tragic on us. But we had a child that, that died uh, at 90 days of age, uh, born with a congenital heart defect, and that was, that was very hard on us.
0: Because you grieved differently, right, oh, I assume?
1: Yeah, I was a man. I had to go out and conquer. I was managing a business. We were building a house. Those things had to go on, but not for her you know, she had a state job and she didn't go back to work. And it didn't matter whether I came home with flowers or tickets to the opera or movies to watch. I mean, she was going to bed. I mean, she was broken. You know, she was broken. And of course, we went to grievance groups and different things like that. We talked with counselors. And were you
0: going to church? Were you members of a church?
1: Oh, yeah, we were definitely members of a church. We were members of of a very good church. And, you know, our baby was in Eggleston for 90 days and I mean, men would just come up to me and stick a $100 bill in my pocket. And they'd say, we know you're not working. We know you're traveling. And, of course, I was working, but I was traveling. You know, and that, that was an incredible hand of God. But that was a, you know, childhood sickness is not a pretty thing, but it's an easy thing for people to come alongside of. You know, men that have sin in their own lives can come alongside someone who's struggling from a an illness and, and, and bless them and walk with them. But we're going to get to something in a minute where – men don't want to come aside because they have that in their own lives.
0: It's with loss of a child, not grieving the same exact way, because we're all made differently, especially men and women. Right. At what point did you um, walk away from your marriage and say, I'm done?
1: Well, it was, it was, it was crazy. We had a lot of different conversations and different ideas, but we knew we had grown apart and we knew that we weren't there for each other. There was some infidelity on both parts and, uh, there was certainly uh, a total lack of intimacy between us, and you know. And and after it was all said and done, we we've had conversations. My ex-wife and her family and mine have vacationed together for years. I mean, we share a child and now three grandchildren, um, and we are we we get along famously. I, mean, I talk to her husband a lot. <laughs> you know, we're we're all we're all good friends today. But when we sit back and looked at it, we realized that uh, there were probably some things. In us, where maybe we should not have even gotten married. you know, some childhood things that she had, some childhood things that we had that I had, maybe some incompatibility, and we maybe should never have even gotten married. Those words came out of her mouth, and there uh, maybe some reality there. But the bottom line was, we didn't really have any I didn't have any men in my life, any male mentors to help me when I was struggling with those things. If a man had walked into my life when I reached that point, that I was ready to leave and told me about my commitment and my covenant and my obligation, the story may be different for us today.
0: And as a child coming from a broken family, what was that like to see the cycle yet repeat again?
1: It was very frustrating for me. Uh, she grew up in a marriage that I mean, with a, with parents who didn't divorce, but possibly should have. So her stand on it was, you know, my parents didn't get along a lot, and it was kind of rocky at home. They should have gotten a divorce. Divorce may not be such a bad thing. I grew up in the middle of divorce, seeing what that was like, wanting to not be divorced. So we were even different right there from what we saw growing up. So
0: You, uh, you touched on it, Mark, and that is that, that God took um, something that was broken, and he redeemed it because— you and your ex-wife are able to maintain a relationship so that your daughter you have together and you go on vacations together
1: yes mm-hmm.
0: and now um you're using your story in the lives of other men um and coming alongside that because you you made a comment that if if it was just one man just one one person that could have said stay with it stick with it you made a covenant
1: just one person and i do that today um if you come to me If a man comes to me, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, where were you at? What were you doing? What can we do to fix this? Mm. I am 100% marriage. My marriage is solid today. Uh, There's a term we use called bulletproof. My marriage today is bulletproof. It's seen a lot of bullets, a lot of fire, You know, a lot of of gunfire in in my current marriage, but it's bulletproof today. and, And it's that way because we have that accountability, and I have a lot of men in my life today that would jerk me by the tail and say, Mark, what are you doing? You know, I have that accountability in my life. And I am that person. I believe in marriage 100%. I believe in the marriage covenant. Um, And if a guy comes to me saying that he's he's thinking about divorce or whatever, we'll sit down and and I hope Luke can change his mind in the next hour or two or whatever it takes.
0: And and so you you touched on what I want to ask you next, next is the significance of accountability for men. And you say your wife cannot be your accountability partner.
1: Well, when men struggle, okay, that is, that just destroys one of the main things that a wife needs and that's security. If we come home and tell her we're struggling in our job, she's going to feel insecure. But she needs to know that. Our wives need to know that we're struggling, maybe not to the details. You know, and there's one thing that your wife cannot be your accountability partner in any kind of sexual sin that you're involved in. Most women, the first thing they think that goes to their mind when they find out that their husband is looking at pornography or magazines are involved in something they shouldn't be the first thing they think is I'm not good enough and the reality of it is there's nothing there at all um, I would say 90% plus of the time a man's addiction with pornography has nothing to do with his wife or her looks or her figure or anything like that there's just a depravity in a man there are hundreds of books written about sexual sin in a man's life there's a depravity that we're born with, and if we don't deal with it, it's going to come out, and it's just going to leave a, a disaster area, you know, and it starts with our wives. And it's unfortunate how many women have been hurt through their husband's uh, porn issue, and it has nothing to do with them. And how them. their marriages are hurt. And their marriages is hurt, and it has nothing to do with them. Now, they can certainly make a difference, and they certainly have a place in the healing Okay, but the but the onset of the sin in a man, it's just we're born with that. We're born with that.
0: You know, and I think it's fascinating, Marcus, because you're a businessman. Um, you're not in full-time ministry, but yet men that are looking to be discipled just kind of find you throughout your day.
1: They do, and and I've run from it for years. I mean, I've run from it for years, but... And
0: why is that? Is it because of the past and saying... Well, certainly
1: there there is the, the the enemy sitting on my shoulder asking me, who are you huh. to speak into these things with your history and your past? And even currently, who are you to think that you can do something for the Lord today with this that you still struggle with?
0: But it's interesting me, it's because of your past.
1: It's because of my past.
0: That you can speak truth in the people because you can say, been there, done that.
1: Been there, done that. And I speak to the enemy every day. You're a punk, you're already defeated, you're under my feet, leave me alone. I'm going for the, to mm-hmm. work for the Lord today. And then just, God brings another man into just your life. leave me alone. Yep. <laughs>
0: what is the most random way God has brought somebody that you needed to speak truth to? This is a curveball, but because I'm, I mean.
1: I'm a tool fanatic. I love tools, you know, and I'm constantly looking on Facebook Marketplace before that Craigslist, and I just, I love tools, and I collect tools. I use a lot of tools, and I enjoy buying tools, and so I'm looking one day, and I see a concrete washer. You know, one of those circular things to wash concrete that attaches to a pressure washer. And, a, and a, I'd been wanting one. I really don't even have that much concrete to wash, but I've been wanting one.
0: <laughs> because it's sure.
1: Right. So I text this guy, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm—he I'm, 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 was actually over at Bethlehem Church in Bethlehem. And uh, he was working near there. He was a contractor. And I said, well, you want to meet me in 30 minutes? He's like, sure. And so I show up over there to buy this pressure washer, which has been a couple of years, and I have not even used this thing. Okay. But we start talking about why he's selling it and his divorce that he's in the middle of. Mm. And we spent a couple of hours there helping him process what was what he was going through. And of course he told me there was no going back, but I made him aware of some of the things that he was gonna be dealing with, with children and with her, and, and the ways that he should behave towards her and towards his children. and. Hopefully made a big impact for this young man. And I, I really can't even remember his name. It's in my phone, but I don't remember it. Recall but it God me.
0: used a pressure washer. A pressure washer. To bring washer. another man into your it's life. It's a
1: pressure washer.
0: You know, Mark, and shame can stop all of that. And I think about, you know, I, I might not have the same exact story as you, but I have other areas in my life and my heart. And if I let shame cover it up and stop the work of God, you know, but, but if you open hand to God, every aspect of your life, even your sin, what can God do? You, you know, I mean, it's, it's limitless.
1: He certainly can clean it up. And, you know, the irony of it is, is it's through serving through that pain that he heals us. It's through serving mm-hmm. and giving back that he heals us.
0: Which I feel like you're looking at my notes, Mark, because that's my next question, is how did God um, start the process of redeeming you?
1: Well, after my divorce, I was, boy, I was far from God. You know, I, I felt like Jonah. I was on my way in the other direction. You know, I tried to pour myself into business and make money. I poured myself into dating. Uh, I poured myself into anything I could. I watched a lot of movies. I spent a lot of time alone. I watched a lot of movies. But so so I tried to fill my life with all these other things, and they were very unfulfilling. And I had a good friend. His name's Eric Ely. A lot of you may know him in the Athens area, uh, computer guy. And so Eric was, was going to a church called Church of the Nations. And he said, hey, Mark, just come go to church with me. And so I did. And uh Started going to church with Eric there, and I don't know, the first six or eight months, every message spoke to me. I mean, uh, my wife and I were going, and we would just leave church, and we would go home, and we would lay prone on the bed, just exhausted from the messages that were speaking to us. God was just doing a powerful work in us, and, uh, and certainly in me. And uh, just, began, just began a walk. We attended Nations for 17, 18 years. And uh, grew up our children in there. It was, it was a great church, still is a great church, fantastic church. But the message spoke to us over and over and over. And then, and then one day, uh, uh, there was a guy there talking about going to Nicaragua on a mission trip. You know, I know Eric poked me and said, hey, let's go. And I'm like, no, you're crazy. I don't have the money to go on a mission trip. I'm busy at work, and uh, let's just go to the meeting. So I we went to the meeting. Next thing I know, we're going to Nicaragua on a mission trip. Mm. And uh, that's where that's where mission started for me.
0: And you've been on many now trips to Nicaragua.
1: I've totally lost count.
0: <laughs> and so I find that interesting because you said that God you um, touches your heart through serving. And so that's exactly what happened to you. You were serving and um, p- kind of putting kind of putting your faith um, boots on your faith, you know, kind of really getting out there and really kind of seeing right.
1: it. One thing about the mission trip is it takes you out of your comfort zone. It's uncomfortable to go and sleep on a church floor, yeah. Take everything that you need for a week in a backpack. It it gets you out of your comfort zone, and God can really deal with you there. Whatever your struggle is, it comes out on the mission field. It just gets larger than life, and you just get to a place where you have to face it and deal with it. God has done that for me in the mission field for sure and in his ministry.
0: When you gave your heart to Christ and and you just uh, let him take every aspect, how did you go back to your ex-wife and restore um, what you could, because restoring a marriage wasn't in the cards. You would already remarried, um, but you had a, a child, and you had now your child's stepdad. I mean, h- how did that, how do you do that?
1: Jules, God has just been good to us. It's God's grace. He's been good to us through all that. You know, you, you probably need to call her up and talk to her about how she feels about some of those things. But I think she would agree with, my mother raised me right. She raised me in church. I knew right from wrong. And when our marriage went really south, I mean, she, she there were obviously are things that she could say, well, he did do this, and he did do that, and he did those to hurt me. I can honestly say I didn't do anything to hurt her. matter of fact, I, I hurt myself, and I struggled immensely, especially financially, uh, to not hurt her. And so, so that was a gift from the Lord that he had taught me before not to hurt people. So I really worked really hard not to hurt her. You know, visitation with my child—it was yes and amen every time. When when she was about twelve, my first wife and I had a conversation about child support, and she told me she's like, you know, I don't really need it, and you're doing your part. You're mm. doing over and above. And you can stop paying it if you want. So, that's where we were. We were, you know, we were just responsible parents and responsible people. You know, in in our divorce, in the midst of our pain. We were responsible and considerate of others.
0: Well, when you talk to a man who um, th- there is no um, restoration of a marriage, and they're like you were, you know, having an ex-wife and a child, what, what is your guidance to them? What is your advice?
1: Well, we're still called to be Christians. You know, we're still called to be Christ-like. Love your neighbor like you love your enemies. I mean, we've got to love our enemies. You know, and during the time of divorce, I understand that she is your biggest enemy. I I have been there. I've been through that struggle. But in 40 years, she won't be your biggest enemy. Next week, she quite possibly might not be your biggest enemy. There are, this too shall pass, and the pain of this will go away. It will diminish, and you'll regret saying or doing the things you're thinking about saying or doing. So it's best to not have said them or done them at all. You know, if we could live long enough, we will look back and think how crazy some of the cruel things we've done were. We will think how crazy to have gotten so upset or angry over situations was, because as life grows on, goes on, and we mm-hmm. grow, we step into even bigger great things and even bigger not so great things. Right. So it's best to to, to handle yourself uh, responsibly and with a Christ-like yeah. attitude and everything. And I try to I try to share that with men that are going through a crisis.
0: Right, right. And I always find it when it's hard to love somebody or those unlovable people that God put in your life, if I can focus on how much God loves me and I focus on His love, then I have love for others Right. when I think about my debt um, that He paid.
1: Well, Pastor Mel had a message one day, and it was about making the people that you don't like disappear.
0: You can't do that.
1: Oh he said That's a crime. He said, Well, well, yeah, we're not talking about you know, we're not talking about throwing a hole, but but he you know, he led up to this and he said, I'm gonna tell you how to make those people that you really struggle with disappear. And 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 he just listed. He said, If it's you know, he just listed a whole list of socioeconomic, racial, different races. He listed the whole list and is if you struggle with those people and you wanna go away, I'm gonna tell you how to do it. And I think the whole congregation was sitting on the edge of their seat. And then he then he laid out how to make it happen, and what he said was, "You love them, and when you love those people that you despise, they disappear. You don't despise them anymore. You love them, hmm. and uh, I'll, I'll never will forget that, nor will half the congregation. I'm sure it was an incredible statement. You know, to get rid of people in your life that are that you struggle with, you you love them, and then you don't struggle with them anymore. They're still there, but you love them, mm-hmm. and that's that's definitely." what jesus told us to do
0: well and you know sometimes it could be your spouse
1: can be your spouse it can be your spouse my wife has said joking to me several times i think i want a divorce after i've done something really stupid she'll look at me and say i think i want a divorce now <laughs> <laughs> and of course we're not serious
0: <laughs> right right all right so let me ask you some questions think about this now as a wife what is one thing i can do to encourage him but on the flip side What is one thing I can stop doing that discourages him?
1: Well, every man needs a cheerleader. Every man needs a cheerleader. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. I'm talking about a cheerleader at home. You know, this world out here is a a very difficult place for a man to be. We're onslaught every day with low-cut blouses and short skirts. We're onslaught every day with tasks that we're not prepared to handle this world is changing. It's changing. You know, in the fatherlessness that's happened, we're not prepared. Most men are not prepared today. Uh, I officiated a wedding not long ago and the young man couldn't tie his tie. So when I got there, I had to tie his tie for him. And that's, that's the kind of training that men are not coming up with today. And if they don't know how to talk about getting auto insurance or negotiate a car deal or negotiate a lease on a house or, or on a rental unit or a purchase agreement on a house, if they don't know how to navigate those things, that brings extreme frustration. And so it's really important that we have a cheerleader at home that encourages us.
0: Okay, so then on the flip side, what do I need to stop doing right now that I'm doing?
1: Well, you need to stop enabling him to be unchristlike. like. I mean, we know it's a fact that if a man doesn't do his job, the woman will do it. You women are incredible. If we're not doing our job, you will do it. I mean, we see it now in single-parent homes. Mom's doing it all. You guys can do it probably really better than us sometimes, but, but you don't want to do it, okay? So stop enabling your husband. Mm. You know, if you're the one praying at the dinner table, tonight, pause. When it comes time to pray, don't pray. Wait on him to pray. You know, if he's not serving you, he's not loving you, he's not honoring you, and you're opening your own car door, walk out of the car stand there. If he's already gotten in, make him get out and come back around and open your door say, hey, I want to go back to the days when we were dating and you opened the door for me. Set that standard. Pause and let him. Stop doing everything. Pause and let him. Bring him into the conversations of discipline with the children. Mm. Bring him into conversations about school decisions. Bring him into those conversations. Just stop doing it all and let him have his place. He wants to be there. Sometimes he feels pushed out. Sometimes he feels like he can't do it as well as you also.
0: And it can be intimidating. Oh,
1: it's very intimidating. It's very intimidating. Especially with the finances. There are a lot of marriages today where where the woman is the major breadwinner, and he's extremely intimidated by that. Let him make the financial decisions. It's in the Bible that he should. To, you know, Let him make some of those decisions.
0: Where we think we're helping, we're hurting. Exactly. Well, but I'm just talking from a woman's perspective, Mark. We're listening to you and saying, you know, men need accountability, and men come to me all the time, and women, were thinking, okay, I want to sign my husband up okay he needs to do this and he needs to do la 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 la, you know and so how do we get them to do this with taking a step back
1: encourage them to find a place where they can get connected where they can get encouraged um you know i tell my men all the time you you, you need to go to places that a send you back home better than you were when you left okay and the b side of that is you need to do your job when you're at home if you're doing your job when you're at home you know you're helping in the kitchen you've mowed the grass, you're, you're helping with the children. You're giving mom time to do her own thing. Uh, and her needs are being met. And when you go, you come back better than you were. She'll send you off often <laughs> with a smile and greet you happily when you come home. You know, in some of those places that you can go, they're certainly not the bar that doesn't really bring you back better than, than, than you went. Um, men's groups are those kind of places where you go Mm. and you get some encouragement, you get some training, you get some correction, you get some accountability, you'll come home better off than you are. We meet on Tuesday nights at my church. My wife never, never begrudges me my Tuesday night.
0: And I've referenced this earlier in the podcast, but you're a businessman in Athens, but you've taken on men's ministry at your church. Tell me about that and Do you find that it's hard to grow and hard to get men to come on a Tuesday night?
1: Well, one of the things that I do to get men to come is I invite them, and then I'll text them and remind them when the meeting is the night before and then a couple of hours before, and I don't let them go. I actually keep a list of men that I'm pursuing that Mm. I felt like God has put on my heart, and I'll pursue them until they come. Um, you know, I'm kind of at the point where I'm a disciple maker who's made some other disciple makers. So I have a, some other men under me that are doing the same thing. They're, they're pursuing men, and they're helping us in that quest to get men into the men's ministry. You know, at, at, at Cornerstone right now, we're, we're really pushing our men's ministry, and we're, and we're, we're growing there. But we've got uh, probably 15 men that are heavily involved that are pursuing that, and, and we're growing there. But you have to pursue men, Men are busy, we've talked about it. We're busy, we're conquerors, we're busy at work, we're busy at home and we need our downtime. But you know, your, 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 your downtime can be with other men, gaining some accountability, gaining some encouragement, finding out you're not the only one that struggles with that, finding out how other men deal with those struggles. So it's a great place to be, you know, in, in a men's group. It's a great place to be.
0: You've got a men's night um, that you're putting together. Why is it different from, like, another men's night?
1: Well, we recognize that men oftentimes haven't had a victory in a week or a month or maybe years men haven't had a victory. So we've we've created a, a, a night where men can just come and have a victory. And we've got several things we'll be doing. We'll be throwing an axe. We're having a car show, a motorcycle stunt show, cornhole, basketball. and uh, all. But
0: all of it's set up so a man can have a win.
1: Have a win. Come have a win. Come shoot the ball in pick up a little cash, come throw the tomahawk, get a little reward, come look in a nice car, feel good about that.
0: Why is, why is that so important for a man? I, I'm trying to understand because, I mean, you know, I like to win too, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why I play my games. But, um, but why is it even more important for a man?
1: We were just created in the image of God. We were created in the image of God, and he is a winner, and we need to be winners too. He is good, And all good comes from Him and we just need to experience good things and good feelings. The world beats us up every day and uh, we we need a victory. We just need a victory.
0: And at the end of all the the fun, the wins, and getting those victories, you're going to end it with testimony and the gospel.
1: We're going to present the gospel and also through testimonies that will relate to. Um, I think we have some testimonies that are going to relate to all the men in the audience and open their heart a little bit so that we can pour Jesus in there, and they can have a a personal victory there. For some, it'll be salvation. For some, it'll be an aha moment. For some, it'll be a rededication. But for some, we hope for all of them, it will be that I'm not alone, Hmm. and that I'm not the only one struggling with these issues or or these feelings. You know, I'm not alone in this.
0: Well, and it sounds like no matter where you live, I know um, you're in Athens, but... A church a man can take on something like this and and talk to you about how, how how to do it and and why make this a little bit different than a another man's night
1: absolutely I mean you know you have to be called you know you have to be called. this work is grueling, it is tiresome, it is hard to reach men. it's hard to reach men, so you have to be called and if you're called. You need to be doing it. Quit running from it and start stepping into it. They're, they're, the, the, the rewards are, are, are huge, are huge.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you're willing to, to help anybody that wants to start a men's ministry and do it, do it right.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, If anybody wants to start a men's ministry and you got some questions, give me a call. I mean, my phone number is all over the world, but my <laughs> number is 706-540-2055. It's 706 706- 540-2055.
0: That's how serious you are. Because we before this interview ever came, I said, hey, Mark, how do you want people to get in And he said, let me give out my cell phone. I said, are you sure about that? And he said, absolutely. If somebody wants to talk to me, tell them to call my cell phone.
1: Just give me a call. We'll talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before I let you get out of here, would you spend some time talking to a dad who might say that their kids are too old or um, that relationship is too far gone for it to be redeemed?
1: It's never never too late. It's never too late. I mean, you think about God, he's the ultimate father. He's the perfect father. And people come to Christ in their 60s, their 70s, their 80s, on their deathbed. It is never too late to be a dad and experience intimacy with your father. And I will tell you right now that You may think that your son or your daughter who you know is hurt by your behavior, by your past, or by your divorce, or by your personal failures, you know they're hurt by that. They still want a relationship with you. Your children want to know dad. They want to have a relationship with dad, and they need dad. In all your self-perceived ineptness, you have what they need, and you can break the the cycle of fatherlessness, of loneliness, of brokenness. And unfortunately, a lot of that for our children rests in the heart of a father. And if you're experiencing some separation, just call them. Ask them if you can take them to lunch. And you don't have to do anything special. Just call them. Just go to lunch. Just let them talk and you listen and just, just, just let them know. You've got to start somewhere. Just start with a phone call. They need you. They want you. They will answer the phone.
0: Mark, I just, uh, when you were talking, I was just thinking about what. Because you chose to let God use something that you wanted to hide away and you had shame, um, you did not want it to be brought into the light, I'm sure. I mean, but because you let God um, heal it and uh, restore it, you've been able to see God use um, your story in a mighty way. And I just think about like, wow, how many lives have been touched? How many men have you um, spoke truth and wisdom to? How many marriages that were heading toward divorce is um, together today? Um, because you simply said yes, even when it was painful.
1: Well, only, only God can save, you know, and only God can heal. And I definitely know that. But, you know, he tells us that we're the hands and feet, you know, and how will they hear if we don't go? And w- we just have to go. Certainly, there are marriages that I've spoken to that didn't make it, and there are some marriages that I've spoken to where the where the man stopped sinning. You know, here's a broken marriage, and and the wife was destroyed, and maybe he was involved in an affair, and 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 they and he stopped sinning. Okay, so he stopped his foolishness, but he was reluctant to go back and do the healing part. You know, he was reluctant to go back and make good on the bad things he had done, and. You know, I question myself in that. Maybe I should have not spoken in that marriage that way. And and so those those we're still working on. Those we're still working on. So we we not only need to stop sinning, we need to go back and make amends, put things back together. Uh, And so there are some that I'm like questioning myself. But, uh, you know, marriage is a covenant between us and God. What he's put together, let no man put asunder. When we understand that and we really see that, it, divorce is, is not really an option. It's not really an option. And I'll, I'll tell you this too there's, there's, there's a video, there's a series called 33, and there's a video in there uh, a man in his marriage, and there's a video where a young guy comes downstairs. He's got a little box of trinkets, his wife's standing in the kitchen, and uh, he says, Well, that's it. I, I think this is all of it. And she's like, Where are you going? well, I'm going to stay over at Ted's. My apartment's not ready. I'm going to couch surf for a little while. And, and she, she's asking these little questions just to keep him there for a moment. And you can see in his eyes, I mean, see in her eyes, that she's just waiting for him to say, can we give it another shot? She's just waiting on him to say anything to open the door towards restoration and not going through with a divorce. It's an incredible video, but I've seen that in wives' eyes over and over. He's already moved out. He's terrible. He's done terrible things. But I've seen over and over and over that the woman just, it's just the chance of restoration. She is still open to that. She's still open to that. I think there's a little hint of that in the curse back in the garden. Adam is uh, disciplined and Eve is disciplined. And the scriptures tell us that her desire will be for her husband all the days of her life. I think think that's a spiritual thing that's set up, that that our wives will desire us. I think men take advantage of that spiritual situation that exists a lot. But I think it's a safety net for those of us men who realize that we need to get our act together, that she's still submitted to us and that she still loves us. And I've seen that so many times at the very end of a marriage. Uh, but unfortunately, there are a lot of men that just can't look at their past, forgive themselves, deal with their shame, admit they're wrong, and go right on. And that's that's where accountability comes in, and men walking with other men to get through that phase of a divorce. It's a huge step.
0: And so I'll, I want to leave um, again with your phone number, because I'm sure there's somebody uh, that's listening that needs to just talk to you and needs to walk through maybe a difficult time or... Or say, you know what, we, we, I, need to, I need to take on the men's ministry at my church. I need to, I need to do this. And they're feeling that calling that you talk about. Um, so bef- um, before we leave, why don't you leave uh, their, your phone number one more time.
1: All right, it's 706-540-2055.
0: And if you've got any problems getting in touch with Mark, uh, you can always reach out to me and get all my contact information, and I will make sure to um, connect everybody. Awesome. Hey, Mark, thank you for your willingness to be um, used by God, even in those um, painful moments.
1: Thank you, Jules. Thank you.